0: God wants to validate your life in supernatural ways, and over the last couple of months, the Lord's just been just it's just been something cooking on the inside of me about supernatural things, experiencing God in a supernatural way. You know I mean you can get just in a routine daily life routine. I like routine, don't you like routine? I think that's good. but you can get in a routine with God which I think is good, but then you need to have an expectation. I know that um, Janet was talking about um, having a word for people who have had a seed buried and it doesn't seem like anything's going on. And um, I know there's probably several people in here. Uh, It was either last week or two weeks ago where I talked about um, disappointments. And you can be disappointed for such a long period of time that you despair. It's kind of like giving... uh, You know when a a woman is pregnant, that there is an expectation. But after nine months, she gives birth to that. And she's pregnant because of a seed that's been placed inside of her. The Bible says the seed is like the Word of God. That seed... You can plant it on the inside of you, but unfortunately, it's not like you know uh, a woman giving birth after nine months. You know she's going to give birth, but uh, as far as a seed placed inside of you, you can't say, "Oh, in three months this is going to be manifested," or nine months, and uh, or it could be like an, what's an elephant? Twelve months? How long? Two years? Two years. Dear Lord. I thought it was 12 months, two years. Anyway, so that's a wait. And any time now. But anyway, um, you know, when you have the seed of God's word on the inside of you and it's not being manifested, you need something to grab hold of to not give up hope, not to quit. And the word, David was like that. That's why Psalms is always good for me that uh, I read Psalms when I, I know there's things in my life that have not manifested that uh, I'm believing God for. I believe that all of us should be experiencing God at a greater depth than what we are today. If not, we're just, we're just having church and being religious. And so I'm just going to speak from my heart. I know that God wants us to experience him more than what we are, but there needs to be an expectation. But a lot of us can miscarry because you you just say, forget it. You have a miscarriage or the promise. And God never does give miscarriages. He does not. Because he says this, that all of the promises are yes and or so be it. A, word amen is not just a religious word. It means what you said, I believe for it to come to pass. So be it unto me according to what you said. Mary said, be it unto me according to your words. She could have said Amen, If it would have been the same phrase. God does not want us to miscarry the promises that you're standing on. But the problem is that we are, our faith can sometimes be the hands on a clock or the days of a calendar. And that when those are flipping by, that we give up on that because it's been longer than what we thought. And so many times I know that some people say, well, maybe God is just saying no. He will never say no to his promises because the Bible says so. He will never say no to the promises, and he'll never say no to what's been placed inside of your heart, the seed, the promise, the, the vision. You know, there's some things that you can't get from the word as far as, you know, who you're going to marry. You know, you can't flip through the Bible and go, I'm looking, I don't see who I'm supposed to make. No, God speaks that to your heart. But there's things that he'll say to your heart that you just say, well, was that really God? And you begin to question it because it's not coming to pass. There's some people in here today, I believe, that God wants you to know without a shadow of a doubt that he will do what he said, that, he will, he, that what you've got inside your heart to do. He'll do it. Just don't miscarry. You are the one that can miscarry, not God. You can miscarry the promise. You can miscarry what you, you feel like, man, I just don't know about this. And so part of this is today is I'm going to talk to you a little bit about wisdom. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to be like sheep in the midst of wolves, to be harmless as doves and wise as serpents. When I was being raised, my brother-in-law, he was a, a snake. Um, there's a term for it, a Latin term. Nobody in here is a snake person, obviously, but we're not either. For those who are visiting, we're not going to bring snakes out, just so you know. Although that may liven a few of you up. But anyway, uh, I, I'm not afraid of snakes because I was raised with knowledge And he taught me how to catch them, which ones are poisonous, what they can do to you, what they can't do to you. You know, most people, uh, you know, they think if a snake bites you, It's I've been bit by snakes, not poisonous ones. But uh, I've been stung by a wasp, and it's much more painful than a snake bite. But uh, anyway, harmless uh, as snakes. And the reason, snakes are very subtle. They are very subtle and... uh, they can hide and just, and, be, and they're so quiet and still, and, you know, snakes are deaf. There was a, a, a storage room back in the back, and uh, it had a big garage door, and it was concrete floor, and it was just storage back there. And uh, actually, it was also my office, and uh, thank God I'm not there anymore. But um, in the, we had a lady who cleaned the church, and she called up. Uh, Melody one time and said uh, that she found a snake skin in the back and in the warehouse part. And so, yeah, I went and checked out everything to make sure because I just I just I just could see because that's also where we had children's church back there. Yeah, I mean, I, you got the picture. I just thought, oh, Jesus, I can see it now. Headlines in Pueblo Chieftain, you know, snake inside a church. Scares children, teacher passes out. But anyway, so uh, I went back there, and I tore that place apart. I couldn't find a snake at all. But, uh, you know, it was about three-and-a-half-foot-long snake skin, which um, is a pretty good-sized snake. But um, so that spring, that was in the fall. That spring, uh, my wife is in the back, and she was going to raise the garage door, and she saw a snake. You know how there's a metal lip on it? And she saw a snake raise its head. And so she calls me, and she screams, of course. But I think I heard her from Pueblo West, and I was wondering <laughs> what was going on. So she calls me and says, she whispers, Mike, there's a snake in that And I couldn't understand her. I said, what? I can't hear you. She goes, I'm whispering because there's a snake. I said, Melody? If you said there's a snake in the church, I said, snakes are deaf. You don't have to just talk to me. She goes, well, there's a snake in the church. I said, okay, what what kind of color is it and everything? I said, okay, it's not poisonous. She said it was a reddish color. So it was what we call a coach whip or a red racer, which they are super fast. And uh, But he just came out of hibernation, which meant he was like molasses. The problem was there's a crack in the uh, the foundation, and he hibernated down in there inside the church. So he slept in the church the whole year. And uh, my point is, he was so subtle; nobody knew. Nobody knew. The Bible says we're supposed to be harmless as doves and wise as serpents. Wise. He he was with them. He would have froze to death. Snakes, you know, they they are the outside temperature that the reptiles or whatever. If it's that's why they don't come out when it's 40 degrees or even under 60 degrees. You will not find a snake. You know, people think, oh, there's a snake. I thought, no, it's too cold for snakes. But um, anyway, so I went to the church, and I, and I called him. And uh, he, uh, this is just a funny part of the story. I put him in this Tupperware thing, and uh, he was just so molasses. But, you know, I put him in there, and so I went to, uh, I don't even know if I should say this. Because most people think, why didn't you kill it? I went and I bought a mouse. Uh, Well, they eat mice, just so you know. That's why we don't kill snakes on our property. Bull snakes, they eat rodents and everything. They're they're my friend. So I bought this little mouse. And no, I didn't buy it for it to be a pet or to be the snake's friend. I bought it because I knew he just came out of hibernation and he was starving. So I put it in there for him to eat. And so anyway, then I got him a little cup of water later on that day. And by this time, he was alive and well. And so I bent down to put the the water in there. And that dude, he sw- he struck me, and but he didn't have enough coil. They can only go as far as their coil, just so you know, you know. So he struck my face so quick, I jerked my head back, but I knew. Racers are the, one of the fastest snakes on the planet. So anyway, he struck at my face, my face, and I jerked back, and he was all, by the time I jerked back, he was already back going, because I could see all of this. It was like slow motion, but my peripheral vision saw it. Like He struck at me and went back, and then I jerked away. He didn't bite me, but anyway, so I took him, but I didn't kill him, and I don't have him in my house. He's probably in your backyard right now. Hibernating. You're welcome. Anyway, I said all that. Subtle. <laughs> Snakes are subtle. And uh, if you have knowledge of them, it, it causes, like my wife is, as not as fearful. When we first got married, she found a snake, and um, she, she chopped it up into a million pieces with her hole. And I said, what kind is it? She goes, I don't know, but it's dead now. And so I could not even, there was not one inch of snake that I, I couldn't even identify it. And I thought, I can't even tell that it's a snake. It looked like you put it in a blender or whatever. (laughs) But but she's not like that now. She sees a bull snake, she won't kill it, you know, because she knows we have gophers on our property. We live in Pueblo West, and so they will eat gophers. I hate gophers worse than I do snakes. You may be vice versa. Snakes. This is why Satan chose a snake in the garden. He could have chose a dinosaur. He could have chose anything, but he chose a snake. They're subtle, tricky, and okay, creepy. She said creepy, but uh, but this is the thing about snakes. They're very fast, and they're very smart, and uh, they can feel vibrations for tons. I don't know how far away, but they're deaf, so they can't go by what? You know, they hear, they go by vibrations, and their tongue is highly sensitive to the atmosphere around them. So anyway, the Bible says we're supposed to be harmless as doves and wise as serpents, to be subtle. Wise. I feel like there's people in here today, so I thought, what am I going to speak on today? Because I wasn't studied this week. I was really actually... I'm going to be teaching up at Karis this week. And so I was actually studying what I was going to be teaching at Karis, the Bible school this week. And so I wasn't even planning on speaking today. But this is the thing that I felt like the Lord put in my heart, that there, God wants all of us to start leaning more on him when it comes to wisdom. Now, I know you know this, but this you know what the great thing is? Mellie and I were talking about this. You can have knowledge of the word of God and it not be real to you until you have revelation of that knowledge. For example, I think it was 1981 that I started learning about that God wants you healed, that God wants you well. It's the will of God for you to be healed. God never puts sickness on anybody. It's the will of God for you to be healed, period. I knew that in 1980. And there's, I've, I've had um, some revelation of that that came, and it seemed like it left. I don't know how to explain it, but I have knowledge. My point is I've had knowledge since 1980, so that's 42 years of knowledge uh, and studying, hearing messages about healing. And so you would think after 42 years of hearing that, that you would be 100% walking in health and healing. And I still believe it's the will of God, not only to believe for healing, but I believe it's possible to never get sick. And if you don't believe that, well, you can catch every flu, every bug you want to. (laughs) It will come knocking on your door. But the thing is, is that even though I had knowledge of that since 1980, it wasn't until I got revelation of the knowledge that I could grab hold of it and know without a shadow of a doubt that it is healing is going to manifest in my body. So the point is this: revelation is a funny thing. It gives life to the knowledge that you know. You, you can just because you have knowledge doesn't mean that you're going to experience that that the knowledge you do know. It has to be a revelation to you, and the only way to get revelation is going to be when you're in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. Revelation comes through that. So those are two vital things to have, is with God and revelation can come. Now, I don't mean that, to be honest with you, a lot of times it comes to me, not when I'm talking to God, not when I'm... Revelations comes to me in the most peculiar places and things. I was, when we were in Africa, I was preaching. I was really, I just felt like the, the church we were ministering to was just deader than a doornail. And so I started complaining to God about that. I said, man, it just seems like I can preach to my heart's content. And it's like, cricket, cricket, cricket. And I don't mean I have to hear an amen. I just want to see people breathing. That's how I felt like I did. I go, somebody, check the pulse of these people, you know. If we dial 911, man, they wouldn't know who to take out because it looks like everybody's dead. But anyway, my point is this. So I was complaining to God about this. And uh, I was shaving Sunday morning, getting ready to go preach again to these dead people. And uh, the Lord, I just was complaining while I was shaving. like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Nobody's getting anything out of it. These people, they can't catch fire no matter what. I don't believe you can't get somebody that can catch fire. You just can't, God. So I just feel like I'm, I'm whistling Dixie here in Africa, left everything behind in America and went to Africa. And I said, for what? I mean, no, nothing's happening here whatever. It's just like dead people. And the Lord, I remember, he spoke to me. Revelation came to me. He said, obviously, you don't believe in my power. He said, because Elijah had a sacrifice before the 400 prophets of Baal. And he said, don't put any fire upon the sacrifice. So the sacrifice was dead and there was no fire. And he said, I'm the one who provided the fire. He says, you're looking for people to provide fire. And he says, I'm the fire provider. And I can cause things to burn that are not burnable. You remember he put gallons after gallon big 50 gallon drums of water upon the sacrifice in the wood so much water the bible says that it put a trough it filled up the trough around the sacrifice how I many you know if you're going to start a fire you don't say hey dump that water on here that's the last thing you want to do god had them dump gallon after gallon after gallon of water upon the sacrifice it was getting ready to be burned obviously god didn't go to boy scouts school so all this sacrifice was soaking wet with water around the trough. And what happened? Elijah called out to God. Fire came down from heaven. Not only did it burn the sacrifice, it burned the stones. It licked up the water. and There was nothing there but ashes. The fire of God came down. So I got revelation that morning. You're looking at the wrong thing to see fire. You're looking at the wrong thing to see manifested. It's all about looking to God, the Author and the Finisher of your faith. God wants to do supernatural things today. You know, we we just think about oh man to walk in, when the disciples walked, or you know there was a great healing revival in the '40s and through started in the '40s, in the '50s and '60s. Have you ever seen those? uh, uh, I know there's some people controversial about Oral Roberts, but the dude, he, he saw miracles. You can't deny that. Those big tent revivals. Man, I love going back and seeing that, those old black and white films. And my mom was healed of tuberculosis. We went to a church that didn't believe in miracles, and my mom got healed. It's amazing. It's amazing that God, listen to me. You can't say, well, it's only the people who's going to believe in the power of God's going to see the power of God. I beg to differ. You can't put God in a box. I heard one testimony this guy was putting. I heard the recording of it. So I know. He was putting down. Somebody said, you got to listen to this. So I listened to it. This was back in the 70s or 80s. And uh, so he said, I don't believe that in all of this miracle stuff, miracles have passed away. I don't believe God heals today. and I don't believe. Well, he was a. Minister, and he spoke all the time, and all of a sudden he got some kind of cancer in his throat, and so it messed up his um, speaking ability. And so for a long time he couldn't speak, but then he started speaking. Uh, he could teach, and it was it was horrible. And so I heard this. I like, what did he say? I do And he wasn't trying to be bad from some redneck from Kentucky. I mean, that's just the way he sounded, but. Um, <coughs> he sounded so horrible. So I'm listening to this. And he was said, you can make it out. I don't believe in all this miracle stuff. I don't believe in this. And he was saying that. And as he kept talking, he said, oh, and I want you to know that I don't believe. And his voice got cleared and healed just like that. Right in the middle of him denying. That's the kind of slap you upside the head thing to happen. You know what I mean? Kind of like reminds me of Saul when he before he was Paul he was Saul and he was taking letters to to go and capture Christians and lock them up kill them beat them doing everything and God knocked him off his horse. The thing that he realized right then and there, you think, can God speak? And we're wondering if God can minister to our. Spouse, or to our children that are 50 million miles away from God or don't believe in God or believe in an atheist or they're messed up with drugs. And we wonder today if God can really minister to them. We're all concerned. We're all worried and all that. You know, I, I, I heard Andrew Womack say this one time. He says, if you're worried about something, it's because you don't believe God's big enough and that you are the one who has to take care of it, not God. I'm going to say it one more time. If you are worried or anxious about something, about your children or about your job or about something, it's because you don't have enough confidence in God and you are the one who has to figure it out and make it come to pass. How's that working for you? I didn't mean for this to be a slappy upside the head message, but it's good, isn't it? And this is it because God wants you to have wisdom beyond your intellect, beyond what you've been taught, beyond your years, beyond everything. He wants you to have his wisdom. And you need wisdom when it comes to receiving healing. You need wisdom when it comes to to making money. Deuteronomy 8.18, it's God who gives you power to get wealth. And so many Christians, you know, most of my life growing up, you know, money was wicked. Money is evil because, you know, the Bible says money is wicked. No, it says the love of money is uh, the root of all evil, which means you can be dirt poor and have that. If God, the devil, the sneaky snake, has tricked people, Christians, not the heathens, but Christians, into believing that if he can keep you sick, and if he can keep you poor, he knows that you are always going to be limited to being used by God and for the God's power to be manifested in your life if he can make you believe those two things. And so the church has preached those two things. That God wants you sick, that he's trying to teach you something, or he wants you to think that you'll, you'll be more like Jesus if you're sick. Can you find anywhere in the Bible that Jesus was sick? that's a revelation thing, isn't it? Oh, God wants me to be more like Jesus and that's why I've got cancer. When was Jesus sick? Going to be like him. Wow, it's amazing. I know. It's just it's amazing that you you start using your brain to think instead of what you've been taught, what you've been indoctrinated with. Let me read this to you. Proverbs 3:13. Happy is the man First of all, right there, God wants you happy. Some people need to notify their face that they're happy. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Her proceeds are, proceeds are better than the profits of silver. First of all, did you know uh, wisdom is personified as a woman? Happy is the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. And her gain of fine gold, she is more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days are in her right hand. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Do Christians even read the Bible at all? I'm not saying this to condemn anyway. I Therefore, there's now no condemnation, you know. I don't believe God ever wants you to feel judged, that he's judging you or condemning you or anything else. But, you know, for us to think that God wants you sick and wants you poor, and then you read this and you think, this is the will of God, and he says that riches are in her left hand. Length of days is in her right hand. So you think, well, man, maybe God wants people to die when they're 3 or when they're 17 or when they're 20. Well, it says length of days. I don't know about you, but 20 years dying, when you're 20 years old, that's not length of days. If you don't understand that, ask somebody who's a lot younger than you, you know, like 7 or 8 years old, and ask them, what's, what's length of days to you to, to live a long life? There's five things in these scriptures right here. Having wisdom. One is long life. Two is riches. Three is honor. Four is pleasure. And then five is peace. God wants all these five things for every person that's been born again and who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. These five things. Long life. Riches. You know, people get... It seems like they just get something caught in their throat. So we'll just say. Everybody say riches. Riches. Yeah. In case you don't know, that means money. You know, you're not supposed to talk about money in church. At least when I was growing up, you know, you don't want to talk about money because that was wicked. And that's why church people have been broke for so many years. Honor, pleasure, and peace. Proverbs 3.16 says she offers you long life in her right hand and riches honor in her left hand. Proverbs 4.8, if you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. Let me get Ed and Janet. Why don't you all come up? You can be my illustrators. Stand here. Face her. I want you all to embrace you're with Janet's wisdom, because she's the woman, where are her hands? The Bible says wisdom, what's in her left hand? Okay, pull up that scripture again, Proverbs 3, 13. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, all the things you may desire compare with her. Length of days are in her right hand. Length of days are in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. So this is you and me. This is wisdom. And when you embrace wisdom, what is wisdom doing unto you? Embracing you with riches, long life, and honor, and everything she is is wrapped around you and me. My point is this. This is not something you have to beg God to do for you and me. I'm going to say it again. This is something that you don't have to beg God to do. This is something that is embraced and wrapped around you. It's just you and I have to have a revelation knowledge of that is happening, and it's the will of God today, tomorrow, your future, and every part of your life. And what will wisdom do for you? It calls Solomon, the wisest man on the planet, when God imparted wisdom to him. He woke up after a good night's sleep, and all of a sudden wisdom imparted to him to where he could give specific things and make judgments. When a woman said, oh, my, my uh, baby, she she stole my baby, my baby... <coughs> Was her baby died. You remember the story in the middle of the night? She rolled over and smothered her baby. So she took my baby and put it and took the dead baby. And she said that she stole my baby. No, I didn't. This is my baby. Well, Solomon says, "Okay, give me a sword, sword, sword. That's a curvature sword. But anyway, give me a sword give me a sword, and I'm going to cut the baby in half, give you half, and give you half. And the lady says, oh, no, don't do that, don't do that. And the other lady says, okay. He says, that's the woman who had, it's her baby. It's the wisdom of God. That was in making a decisive decision. But listen to me. The Bible says that God, in James, it says, ask of me, and I will give you wisdom. Did you know back in, I forgot what year it is, so I'm, I want to say in the 40s, the 50s, I don't know when it was, but they were going to close the patent office because they thought that everything that could have been developed and discovered. Have you ever read that story? True story. They were going to close the patent office. Can you imagine? Since the four, It may have even been the 20s, but it was, it was definitely before 1950. They were going to close the patent office because they had, in all of their wisdom, thought that everything had already been developed or discovered, and so they were going to just close it down. Do you know how much has been gained since 1950? This is my point. I believe there's just as much in our future that's not been discovered or not been developed or not been invented. My point is this. It only takes one great thing for you to become wealthy. You know the whiteout that was discovered by uh, or invented by a secretary. She was, she probably worked for a boss that could not, probably somebody like me dictate, no, change that, no, cha- no, that doesn't sound good, you probably somebody like me. Oh well, just forget it. But anyway, <laughs> so she designed this, she made this white paste instead of, you know, back in the old days, you young people don't know this, but um, there used to be a thing called typewriters. And then I learned on a manual typewriter. How many of you remember a manual typewriter? I mean, that's when you had to push the key down about two or three inches. And the next year we got electric typewriters, and we just thought, like, heaven came down. I could type 60 words a minute, man. I'm pretty smoking. But anyway, uh, when it t- those old-fashioned typewriters, you would have to pull it out, erase it, you know, get it lined back up and everything. So she invented whiteout. She became a multimillionaire because of whiteout. My point is this. Some of you are struggling financially. Maybe, just maybe, there's an invention or an idea inside of you waiting to be manifested. If you don't believe that, you don't have to worry about it. It won't happen. But if there's just something stirring up inside of you that there's more, listen to me. There is more spiritually for you to see. there is more of Jesus for you to see, but there's also more in the natural realm that God wants done. I believe it. There's things being invented all the time. You know like you know the, the problem with electric cars, you may be anti-electric car. That's all right. You know, don't throw me under the bus because I'm not. but uh, don't get me wrong, I want a three-quarter ton of diesel pickup that will pull this church. But anyway, um, (coughs) my point is, you know, electric vehicles, there there are probably here to stay. But this is the thing. They only go about 600, 700 miles, and then they have to be recharged. What if, what if somebody came up with an idea for a a battery to last 1,000 miles? You think that would be valuable? It will happen. Somebody will, that will happen. Batteries that will last for 1,000 miles. That's just one thing. I just was thinking of things like that. Things are going to keep changing. Things are going to keep being developed. Things are going to keep being invented. I believe God wants that to happen through his people. You just got to be brave enough to say, God, give me wisdom for that. How can I do this? If you can come up with something that will help society to do their job easier or to be a blessing to them in some way or shape or form, you can take it to the bank. You don't have to worry about advertising it that much. You know? I just know that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. But then what's the last part of that scripture? Pull up Ephesians 3.20. Is it 3.20 or 3.22? 3.20? Ephesians 3.20. Somebody want to sing? I'm kidding. Do not anybody sing. Now unto him who is able to do. Can we just read this out loud together? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that. Where is the power? Where is the power? I said, where is the power? You have to believe that. There is power. There is more power inside of you than in a nuclear bomb. Why? Because it's God. You think God's more powerful than a nuclear bomb? He has so much knowledge that's not even being tapped yet. He has so much wisdom that's not being asked for. Why? Because we're just doing our routine with God day in and day out, not realizing that he's put stuff on the inside of you that could change your world, your community, your state, your nation, and even the world. Let's stand. Hallelujah. James chapter 1, it says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask. But This is the thing he says. He says... Don't ask thinking that it's, well, I may get it, I may not. He says, don't be like a double-minded. Don't think that you're, well, I may get it, I may not, you know, maybe I've not been good enough, maybe, 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 maybe. No, you need to ask knowing that if you ask for it, you got it. You will get it and that you've got it. You know, it's kind of like salvation. If you say, Lord, I'm just believing to be saved. You know, you remember when you got saved? I mean, did you have to beg God? Did you know before the 1500s, it was widely known in history that uh, people begged God to get saved? Days, weeks, months. Crying on the altar for them to get saved. So in the 1500s, you know, Martin Luther started teaching that faith faith is a real thing and that we are saved by faith. It's just you believe it. You ask for it and you get it. Then so it didn't start happening right away, but then for hundreds of years that became the normal teaching. Hundreds of years. Till now, by the year 2,500 years later, nobody, to my knowledge, in any denomination, begs God to get saved why because of the teaching the knowledge the wisdom that has been imparted and manifested to the church that now everybody gets saved instantaneous i just wonder listen to me i just wonder if healing would have been taught 1500 years ago the same way salvation was taught i wonder after 500 years of teaching of healing where we would be at today ow Chicken chow mein. I just wonder, but no, we've had the opposite. We've had hundreds of years of teaching that God wants you poor. God may be teaching you something in this sickness, or you know, we just don't know what the will of God is. Yes, we do know what the will of God is. Peter says it's the will of God that none should perish. The Bible says that himself took our infirmities. 2 Peter 2, 24, it says, By his stripes you were healed. It goes on and on and on and on. But I think the church is in the same mentality when it comes to money. We don't think that God wants you to have money. Or we make excuses, just like the church has made excuses. When we pray for somebody, they didn't get healed, so we obviously have to come up with an excuse why they were not healed. And the excuse was, well, it can't be on our end. It must be that's not the will of God for you to be healed. So that's been the excuse because we just want, when something doesn't happen, we have to come up with an answer. Instead of just believing what the Word of God says, we come up with our own theology, with our own doctrine. We've done that with healing. We've also done that with money. I don't believe missionaries should be scraping to do the will of God dad's building a college over there and I told God I said I want to pay for it it's going to cost five to ten million dollars for a college three story five it's going to be like a pentagon college it's going to have five fingers three stories probably five to ten million dollars angels aren't going to come from heaven to build that it's going to take labors it's going to take Products and substance purchased to build that. My opinion is it should be an easy thing. Come on now. John Osteen, for those who don't know him, I've heard him speak at camp meeting at Ramah. He's uh, Joel Osteen's father, who he was the pastor when he first started getting a hold of the word of God he, he said I always wanted to be associated with a, a church that was in some kind of building product or building missions or something that they needed a lot of money and he said because I knew that money is going to come through people to get that accomplished and he says I want to be part of that what does that mean well it means you're going to have to come into some money just need to have an expectation, a belief, a mentality that God let that money come through me. And I'm not saying you have to give everything away. How many of you know when the water goes through the hose, the hose gets wet as well on the inside? So the point is, you get blessed too because of that. You know, you don't have to get, if I get a million dollars, I give away a million dollars. No. Who was it? Um, Big, um, somebody read my mind. Um, no, the, the the not tractors, but the bulldozers. Who's the guy who no, Caterpillar? The guy who started Caterpillar, he was a believer. Don't quote me on this, I believe it's Caterpillar. Now I'm questioning myself, but Caterpillar. You know, it's a multi, multi, probably billion dollar industry or whatever. He started giving away 9% and living on 10%. You know, he was a believer and so he first started giving 10%. But he got so wealthy, he started giving 20%, started giving 30%, started giving 40%. How many know you can live off a billion dollars 10%? Checking, testing, one, two, one, two. You can live, somebody goes, oh, I can't live off 10%. Well, if you make, you know, $100 million, you can live off 10%. Give away 90%. I don't know, but I just think that's a God-cool thing idea to do. Are you hearing me? But God's just waiting for people just to have that kind of mentality, to have that kind of revelation, for that to be manifested, to show the world the goodness of God. The goodness of God has not been on display through the church as a whole. God wants His goodness to be on display. And who wants to be a person to say, do it through me? When it comes to healing, playing, praying, laying hands on the sick and them recovering, the goodness of God to be on display. People will go, man, that was, and then you can just say, that's the goodness of God. I had nothing to do with that. Millions of dollars start flowing through your hands. Man, that's the goodness of God. I believe Pueblo is <laughs> a perfect place for that to happen. Pueblo is a place for that to happen, for the goodness of God to be so miraculously. People will say, that's happening in Pueblo? That God-forsaken city, that city that used to be called Pew Town, that city that has high crime, that city that has this, that city that has drugs, that city where nothing good, can anything good come out of Pueblo? They said that about Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Same thing. I thought God would qualify. Just call us Nazareth 102. We'll be Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Pueblo? God is just waiting for somebody to manifest His goodness, to believe that. Father, we just thank You. Thank You. We thank You in advance for the goodness of God. Surely, goodness and mercy follows Pueblo all the days of her life. Father, we just thank you for just stirring up our hearts, stirring up our mentality to think differently. Thank you for the wisdom of God. We ask for it in an abundant way, God. We don't even know how or what to ask for, so we ask for wisdom, wisdom for our life to be directed. You said our steps are ordered by the Lord. You said whatever we put our hand to shall prosper. God, we don't know what to put our hand to, so we ask for wisdom for our hand to be placed towards something, for it to prosper by the mighty hand of Almighty God. May your people prosper. May they be in health as John prayed. But he said even as your soul prospered May our souls start to prosper. May we see and have a different perspective in these two areas of healing, of prosperity, uh, uh, of what you want done. The goodness of God. May it be mightily advertised in our city, through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.